This program is intended for informational and educational purposes only. All views and opinions expressed are the views and opinions of the individuals and sponsors presenting them, and not the LTB network. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, Episode 10. On BitcoinAverage.com, a millibitcoin is trading for 46 cents, which is the same as $460 per Bitcoin. Up some, down some, up some. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining us today as we podcast from East Nashville, Tennessee. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lid Shaw. We're two Bitcoin enthusiasts who love to talk about Bitcoins. And share what we learn with you, the listener. Welcome to the show, and thanks for listening. On the first part of today's show, we stay right here in good old East Nashville for an energetic talk with our good friends John Meese and Luke Stokes, two key players in Nashville's growing Bitcoin community. John and Luke share with us their experiences thus far in building a Bitcoin community right here in Nashville from the ground up. According to them, it's a lot easier than rocket science. We also take you to California for an insightful talk with Tyson P. Cross, founder of BitcoinTaxSolutions.com. The IRS recently has given notice about how to file taxes for Bitcoin. Tyson generously takes time out of his busy schedule leading up to April 15th to help us better understand what the IRS has in mind for Bitcoin. Would you believe you may have to pay taxes twice? So stay right here for more Bitcoins and gravy. And remember to call us on the Bitcoins and Gravy hotline with your comments or questions at 615-208-5198 or simply click on the hotline link from your mobile phone when you visit bitcoinsandgravy.com or you can email us at howdy at bitcoinsandgravy.com. That's howdy at bitcoinsandgravy.com. Today, Lidge and I are talking with John Meese and Luke Stokes, two of the guys who are helping to build the Nashville Bitcoin Network by organizing Bitcoin meetup events and by offering education about Bitcoin to help our Bitcoin community grow strong. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Welcome, guys. Good to have you here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Usually we're guests at your event. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So um, it's great to finally have you guys here. We really appreciate you taking time out from your busy schedules to do this interview. Could you tell us a bit about your background and what first got you interested in Bitcoin? Luke? I work at a company called Foxy Cart. It's a company that my business partner and I founded, and it's an online payment system. We do shopping cart software. So I've been involved in the online payment space for a very long time, and we support 80 different payment gateways. And last year, around April, I kind of started looking at this. Actually, it was more about February. I started looking at it, and I think, I think I'd seen a tweet from Anonymous or something like that. I said, what is that weird string of characters under there? I mean, and these guys are pretty sharp. You know, they, they wouldn't be involved in something if it didn't make sense. And so I started looking at what that address was, and it was a Bitcoin address. And I was like, oh, Bitcoin, I remember here about that a couple years ago. Wasn't that that fake internet money thing? Yeah. And as I started looking into it, it just consumed me. And I had so much fun researching it. I, I'm not ashamed to say I spent over four or five days on bitcointalk.org and I was just watching webinars and I was just, I was just learning as much as I can. And I, I convinced my business partner that this was a real thing. And in April, my company, Foxycart, started supporting it as a payment method. So we have thousands of stores on our platform and they can all accept Bitcoin for their, for their products and services because of what we're doing. Uh, and we're integrated with BitPay. And I just, I just got super excited about it. I remember feeling that way. I remember my lazy boy chair grabbed a hold of me and wouldn't let go of me for like two days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was in front of the television though. I was watching YouTube. I wasn't just sitting around doing nothing. That's good. Um, John? I, uh, I majored in economics at MTSU when I went to college. And so one of the things that I studied in that was my focus was always currency, economics, inflation, and debt, and things like that. Uh, you know, exciting things. And so uh, through one of my research projects when I was putting together... Uh, presentation on a paper that I had published then, I came across this Bitcoin thing. And this was in uh, 2011. So at this point, it was very early 2011. So at this point, Bitcoin was still only a couple years old. There wasn't a lot of much really heavy literature out there on it at all. But I was curious. So I actually got my, pull my roommate in um, and we just spent a couple of days just researching stuff. He would disappear. And then I'd like, I'd call him back and be like, look, 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 guess what I just learned. This is why this makes sense. He'd be, and he'd say, well, but what about this? And so we'd go from there and he basically would just ask me questions and then I'd 
be the one that ended up spending the next two hours finding out the answer. The first time I ever actually invested in Bitcoin then was, it was just a couple hundred dollars, but it was in 2011, just after the first quote-unquote crash when Bitcoin uh, fell from $32 to roughly, uh, I think it fell ultimately to around $5 each. So the first time I ever bought Bitcoin was at seven, you know, at the, nice. yeah. Nice. And so it was, um, yeah, me too. 700. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, <laughs> um, man. um, but yeah, I mean, again, it was just a couple hundred dollars worth. It wasn't a lot, but I was like, you know, this is a really cool idea. We'll see if it, we'll see if it kicks off. I got really busy with a lot of stuff that was going on, but I went ahead and took that Bitcoin and I, I stored it. I took it off my computer and stored it on a flash drive, stuck it in a drawer somewhere and forgot about it for two years. <laughs> nice. And, yeah. and, um, I've heard this story before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but only this time I found it. Nice. Right? Wow. I didn't lose it. Yeah. So oh, time goes by and all of a sudden I started hearing about the Silk Road and someone mentioned that Bitcoin was tied to it. And I said, wait a second, I own some Bitcoin. I know about this stuff. I thought all you could buy with this was a little pack of socks. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the first time I, when I first invested in Bitcoin, then alpaca socks was like one of the only physical goods you could get. Um, anyway, so I pulled that Bitcoin out. I um, started using it again more and go researching it. And then uh, it was actually in October of last year that I got asked to speak at a private event on Bitcoin just to explain it to a bunch of mostly gold bugs who were curious but very skeptical. And after that presentation, I had put the slides up on SlideShare, and I just tweeted about it. And that's actually how Luke, Luke and I met. Yeah. We, we, we never met before. Yeah. And then he ran across my tweet and messaged me. He was like, no way. I gave a presentation on Bitcoin in Nashville back in, when, when was your presentation? It was at Bar Camp. Oh, I don't even remember the date okay. of that. But yeah, it was earlier. Yeah, it was earlier yeah. in that year. Yeah. So, and, and this was in uh, 2013. So, uh, so we connected, and we kept up the conversation off and on about Bitcoin. And then uh, Luke was the one who actually took the plunge and started the meetup event. And I was like, let's do this. So, and... Our first meeting, we were expecting like six people, maybe. And how much do we have at the first? Oh, meeting? Yeah, like, like 30. Oh, probably thirty something. Yeah. yeah, it's funny how much yeah. how many people's Bitcoin yeah. story starts with "What did you first buy at?" You know, like yeah, I'm thinking right, about my, right. in February, I convinced my wife to drop fifty bucks. Like, can we just? burn $50, just <laughs> waste it completely on this crazy thing. And it was like 20 bucks a coin, nice. you know, and it was, yeah. it was not bad. Not and I bad. think for me, cool. I was just thinking about too, one of the important parts of my Bitcoin story was the, the blockchain fork in March of 2013. That's where it really clicked for me. I remember nine minutes after it happened, I'm, I'm sitting there on Twitter and I see people tweeting about it and I hop on my computer and I was stuck in my chair until 2.30 in the morning that night. And I'm just sitting there watching these individuals from all over the world work together on something to save it for their own self-interest, which maps the self interest of the entire network and it was just one of the most incredible things I'd ever seen and when I, wow. when I watched it and saw it having some experience with different businesses and corporations thinking there's no way they could ever do this mm -hmm. global governments couldn't do this the way that people came together within hours they had a solution it just blew my mind I said this is going to change the world can that's you cool. explain that a little bit more so that somebody yeah. doesn't know what that's all about yeah definitely what, what it came down to is there was a new release of the, of the what they call the reference client which is the base client that a lot of the other bitcoin clients are based off of and when you say bitcoin client you're referring to I'm referring to a software that you use to buy to actually manage your wallet which is where your bitcoin is going to be stored so you can have it uh, on your computer or it can be on on the web but this was the the reference client for stuff you would store on your computer so they released a new client and the new client had a little bit of leniency in how it accepted the size of the different blocks the old client said nope they can only be this big so what happened is some weird block came along and it was too big for the old client the old client rejected it and it kept going. It's I know what truth is. I have this, you know, the Bitcoin ledger, the blockchain is a globally decentralized public ledger like like an accounting. And so it had its version of history. The new chain said, oh, I've got my version of history that did include that one block. And so they forked. And you had two different versions of history. And people started seeing this going, oh, man, what are we going to do? And it's just an incredible story to see how those all those miners rolled back, got back to the original block. They went forward. It was incredible. Do you think anything like that could happen in the future? What are they predicting? I, I know Andreas so. Antonopoulos says he's not that worried about it. This was a theoretical thing they were worried about for about three years. So there was a lot of, what happens if it forks? What are we going to do? Having watched it with my own eyes, like watching it in real time happen. Happened. That's where I, it clicked in the coin drop, and I said, "Hey, this is going to work right. because if they can respond to an emergency this quickly right. and solve it that quickly, I wake up the next morning and it's done and solved." It just, it, I would agree with Andreas. It's like it's not something you have to worry about just because I've seen the community in action and it's powerful. Right, it's great to see the emergencies come and go, and Bitcoin still moving along. Oh, yeah. Right. Let me ask each of you to talk for a minute about where you see Nashville going when it comes to Bitcoin. Do you see Nashville as one day being a bustling Bitcoin city or not? 
I definitely do. And it's funny, just kind of, I don't necessarily consider my company the traditional startup community type company. We didn't take funding. We, you know, we've just, we haven't even considered ourselves much of a Nashville company so much. We just, we serve people all over the world. But as I've started to get involved more with the tech scene here in Nashville, I realized that we are part of Nashville. We are a Nashville company. And I've started connecting with other business owners. Actually, I've got a meeting later tonight with a bunch of other business owners. And the more I've talked to people, at first it was kind of like, what is this crazy, silly thing? And now uh, more people are being interested in it. And there's some pretty high level community leaders. Uh, I can think of one in particular who modified his Twitter profile to say interested in Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that That's was pretty great. fascinating. Nice. So I, I think it's definitely taking off more. I was asked to uh, speak at a luncheon at a, a, a large tech company here um, that, you know, there's 30, 40 people at their luncheon. And I just shared a similar presentation that I gave at the Bar Camp Nashville. So I think, I think the tech community is excited about it. I've actually talked to, uh, those at the Nashville Technology Council, and they got really excited about the possibility of doing a conference here in Nashville. Nice. And so there's there's a lot of a buzz about it, and I think it's going to be pretty incredible. Cool. John? Yeah, and I would just add to that. I mean, when I, when I first became interested in Bitcoin, then if anybody asked me what the future of Bitcoin in Nashville was, I would have just laughed. I, would, I mean, I was like the one thing that I just brought up and everyone just kind of looked at me funny. Um, but now, I mean, after the first Bitcoin meetup that we had in Nashville, that was really where I realized, like, we had over 30 people at our first meetup, which was planned like on a whim. And they just came because they were already interested in this. And that, that was the one we had at Blackstone Brewery? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 We did a, yeah, we just had a, you know, a lunch and it was incredible. Like we, the, the, the waitresses are a little upset how many, ta- <laughs> how many <laughs> of the tables came. we took up. Yeah, because yeah, more people came than RSVP. Oh, but yeah. like, yeah. And it was, um, yeah, I mean, so ever since then, the interest that we've seen, I would say I think Nashville's definitely going to hold some place in the uh, in the history books for the future of Bitcoin. What exactly that is, you know, is yet to be seen, but there is a lot of tech here. There's a lot of, the really the culture is very pro-innovation, whether it be in whatever field. And so I think that Bitcoin, you know, definitely has a lot of promise here. I mean, I personally, anytime I go to any business, before I check out, I always ask, do you accept Bitcoin? Even though I know that nine times out of 10, the answer is is no. Um, and you get some really interesting responses. I mean, it used to just be a lot of, well, can I see it? I don't know. Do we, is that like Visa? Or the, like, you know? But uh, more recently, it's like, it says, you know, not yet. But what do you think? Should we start accepting that? Well, I'll be interested to see where we go. I have a lot of faith in the future of the Bitcoin community in the Nashville area, definitely. Yeah, maybe Nashville will be the city that is the confluence of Bitcoin, like the rivers, you know, <laughs> coming together yeah. right here. You know, yeah, I, right. I think a lot of a lot of cities are trying to be the next Silicon Valley, and I think we have something unique here in Nashville, and I've heard that before. We don't need to copy anybody else. We've got something going on here that's pretty cool yeah. with the companies, the tech companies in town, and I do think it's ripe for... To, to be a leader in something that's our niche, and why not Bitcoin? You know, not being in the tech community, I don't know much about what tech companies are here, and I don't know what incentives there are for the tech companies to come here. Are there some pretty strong incentives for them to be here? Well, I mean, for example, I'm pretty involved in the PHP community. PHP is a programming language that, mm-hmm. that's, that's used by a lot of different companies, and we have international speakers, quite a few of them here. When I go to PHP conferences, I look around, and it's all my friends from the National PHP Meetup group. Mm-hmm. So we have some great speakers. We have uh, great opportunities. Uh, I think that it's a great place for tech. Nice. And if I could add to that, um, not just in the tech community, but Nashville is most well-known, of course, for its music community. Uh, one of the reasons why I think Bitcoin fits really neatly into that is because Bitcoin really allows anybody to be an entrepreneur. You don't need to open a bank account or go through all kinds of complicated stuff to start accepting payment for your services. I mean, the musician culture is very much focused on individual solopreneurs. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of just striking out on your own, and Bitcoin makes that infinitely more possible for anyone. So, I mean, the music industry, I'm interested to see where they take that, especially with micropayments, um, a lot of other possibilities that Bitcoin brings to the table. I think not just the tech industry, but a lot of the other strong industries in the Nashville area are going to embrace that. Yeah, and the cool thing about musicians adopting it like that is that, similar to this radio show being an opportunity to get the word out about Bitcoin to people. Musicians have an audience, so they've got an opportunity to tell their audience about it, and maybe it'll help uh, accelerate that process for definitely, sure. Definitely, a couple of years, definitely. you'll drive down Broadway, and you'll see all the guys with you know T-shirts with the QR codes on them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you never know. You just hold your camera out there and pick each one up as you go by and send them a little couple of Satoshis. I like it, definitely. <laughs> Plus, 100 years from now, as people are studying, watching the documentaries on the beginning of Bitcoin, they're going to see that the Ota Satoshi was written in Nashville, Tennessee. There you go. So, right here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and recorded at the Toy Box studio. Of course, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. birthplace. The birthplace. <laughs> the birthplace of Bitcoin is Nashville, Tennessee. We're going to try to change history just there a little you go. bit. You, it's you, open source history. Folks, remember, Nashville, Tennessee was the birthplace of Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how far that, that lasts. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. <laughs> well, so, um, you know, on the idea of getting the word out, you guys 
started this magnificent meetup here in Nashville. What advice can you give to our listeners when it comes to starting Bitcoin meetups and Facebook networks in their own city? Is this an easy thing to do? I would say, just like Nike says, just do it. That was something I delayed on month after month. I'm like, I don't know if I have time for this. I've got to run my own company. I've got a family. I've got three kids now. Like, I just didn't think I had the time to do it. And I didn't, it was a little bit scary to be like, I could pay the money for the meetup.com thing and no one showed up. That would be, that could be a possibility. So once I faced that, it was just weekend after weekend of saying, oh, I'm going to do it this weekend. I'm going to do it this weekend. Uh, I finally just did it. And I was just overwhelmed. Like, like I said, John stepping up to say, hey, can I help out in any way I can? And other people as well that have stepped up and said, hey, how can I help? Can I bring food? Can I do that? And, and what's been exciting for me in the same time, which is kind of happens quite often. It's funny in the Bitcoin community, the second meetup we had, someone brought food and the, you know, we've had food now the last two uh, meetups and these things have kind of just happened organically, even figuring out who's going to speak next. What do you want to speak on? And it's been a lot easier, I think, than I even thought it would be. It's not maybe as polished as some other longstanding media, you know, groups I've been a part of, but I'm okay with that because it's got a life of its own. Polished enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I've enjoyed no, every, just, coming to everyone. I'm just going for the that. barbecue and the yeah, pizza. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah and I would, I would just add to that. I think, again, like just do it for anybody that's looking at starting one. I think from what I've seen of our, of our Bitcoin meetup, and we're still pretty new, uh, you can put as much or as little into it as you're able. So if all you can do is really just create the account, schedule the meetup, and then just hope someone shows up, start there. But I mean, you know, there are many, lots of people who put in hours to schedule speakers and bring in like the best of the best and entertainers and things like that. We don't do that. Um, but again, this is, I mean, this is sort of, na- this is Nashville. We're sort of a casual culture anyways. But if, if all you can do is create the event and invite people, then do it. Because the reason why people came to those first few meetups wasn't because we had great PR. And it wasn't because we had a really well put together event. It was because they were interested in Bitcoin. And so their interest was already there. We didn't have to create it. And so nice. I think the same thing exists in a lot of different cities. That's the definition for all good markets, right? Yes. There you go, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, so do you guys feel like you're part of a meetup starting community? Have you met other people starting Bitcoin meetups in other cities? You know, there's a there's a subreddit where different groups are on there, and I've actually I was really bummed I couldn't make it out to Texas. I was a little jealous of you guys being able to get out there. Oh, yeah. It was my my tenth uh, anniversary during that time, so it wasn't going to happen. Uh, but it wasn't that it wasn't that fun, man. <laughs> yeah, I man, we hardly had a good time. Yeah, no. I can tell on your on your podcast. But I I think that uh, for me, I want to get out to the conferences more. I've been I was even thinking about man, could I get out to Amsterdam? Who knows? You know, I mean, yeah. so I think that's where the communities are really being birthed, and I think that the the meetups are kind of outgrowths of that in some way. We kind of did it opposite in a way. So I know that there's a lot of uh, meetup community out there that I would like to meet more of, but I think it's probably going to happen at the conferences most likely. However, uh, people still find us online, even on the Facebook group. Uh, we have people that aren't even in Nashville that come and ping us. And uh, Jesse, if he was here to talk more about that, but it, people are connecting and wanting more information about it. Cool. Do you guys see uh, us having a Satoshi Square? And if so, where would we have it? Steps of the Capitol building? It's the capital of Tennessee, after all. I would love to meet more people that way, but that's kind of the, the reason we had the Bitcoin meetup is we want to have a little time for that as well. We try to make time for that. We even had right. color-coded stickers, which can be helpful. So you could say, yeah. I'm a miner, I'm, I'm here to buy, I'm here to sell. Uh, name tags, obviously. These are just some basics that are helpful getting a meetup going. And again, people have just kind of said, hey, I'll take care of that. I'll organize that. And it's worked out really well. Nice. Yeah. I mean, Satoshi Square, the, you know, the idea of people in meeting in person on a regular basis to you know, buy and sell Bitcoin back and forth. Um, I mean, that's really popular in areas like New York because that's also kind of like, that's part of their culture, the tech, finance, trading. I think that we definitely could have something like that. I mean, right now we, always, we do always suggest that people spend the last like 15 to 30 minutes of our meetups doing sort of like a little Satoshi Square there, but not everybody's always looking to trade. I mean, and that's, and that's fine. You know, it's fine to hold your Bitcoin or spend your Bitcoin. We could definitely have something like that, especially if we ever get like sort of like a location. Because right, right now we meet at Emma. It's an email marketing company. It's where we normally have our meetups, um, they're very generous to give us that space. Yeah, so thank you to Emma. Yes, yeah. thank you to Emma. Thank you, Big Emma. shout out. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, ultimately, like as we grow, I mean, if we ever have our own our own space, then that would be something that I assume would be ongoing there. But mm-hmm. I would agree with Luke. The online tools that we have today are much simpler than a lot of the interactions you would have in a Satoshi Square like mm-hmm. setting. Um, I do have some friends though that do localbitcoins.com just so that they can meet other Bitcoiners. Yeah. Just so that they can be, you know, meet up with someone to trade Bitcoin and be like, hey, what's your story? I mean, that's yeah. honestly how they get to know their, their Bitcoin friends. So That's yeah. very cool. And, you know, I wanted to inject this question too and ask you guys whether you had any particular Bitcoin tools you might like to talk about or share. Some of your favorites. 
I think the, uh, the Zero Block app is phenomenal. I mean, as soon, as soon as I found that app, it's just, it's got uh, the Bitcoin, current Bitcoin price, it's got a Bitcoin calculator on there. It's got some other statistics about the blockchain and what's going on right now. Uh, but what I like the most about it is it's got up-to-date news from Reddit, from all the different sources of Bitcoin news. So I feel like I'm up-to-date really well with that that app. And I'm, I'm just constantly flipping through it going, oh, hey, here's what's going on right now. So I, I really tell people, hey, if you're going to get into Bitcoin, you know, get that app and that can kind of get you up to speed on what's going on right now today. Uh, unfortunately, I still have an iPhone, so a lot of the other apps yeah. no longer mm-hmm. are as useful as they once were. Right, right. And uh, we're hoping Apple's going to change their mind So on you that. have that yeah. app on your iPhone. Yes, you can get works. that one. Yeah, because it's, it's not an actual wallet software. Okay. So they're, they're totally fine. So they'll let you have mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. Well, isn't yeah. that nice? Isn't that yeah. sweet of them? You know, yeah. when the blockchain <laughs> had the problem, what, a week or two ago, mm-hmm. and I lost my Bitcoin wallet on my iPhone, and I've since been able to retrieve through tech help, retrieve those Bitcoins, but I still cannot get the app to open up. Yeah. I guess essentially it's dead. So the good news is that the small amount of Bitcoin I had on there was retrieved, but still... You know, now I really want to be able to go and trade with people or be able to go someplace and spend a little bit of Bitcoin, maybe go to flight some evening with everybody and get a beer and pay that way. Now, the only way I can do it is if I switch from the iPhone to an Android phone well, or, or whatever. I, right? used, I used actually at our last meetup. John brought some pizza and I paid him just going to Coinbase.com. They've got a nice mobile website, very mobile friendly. Go ahead okay. and log in there, two-factor authentication, the whole deal. And I was able to, in that case, just use his email address. So I was able to just send it right through oh, email. That's a good point. Yeah. And, it, and he's oh. got a Coinbase account as well, so it just it's you know yeah that's I mean that's the thing that Apple essentially blocked is the is the, the wallet apps, but the you app, can right. still go onto your mobile browser like you right. said. Okay, you can log into Coinbase or Blockchain.info or any of the major online wallets and do it that way. Okay, yeah. good point. Um, but I would definitely second Luke's uh, suggestion about Zero Block. I actually I wrote a blog post on this. I call it the top five Bitcoin apps and or apps in the Bitcoin sphere. And Zero Block, I would say, definitely is number one because it's uh, I mean it's got all the resources and information you need right there to be up to date. Um, other good apps are Gift, um, Gyft. Oh, yeah. They're really great for a lot of com- a lot of major businesses that don't now accept Bitcoin. You can buy gift cards through Gift in Bitcoin that you can spend there. Like they just added Walmart. You know, they also already have Amazon.com. I no longer use my debit card with Amazon.com at all. Every time I order something off there, I just use Amazon gift cards that I bought with Bitcoin. I have to say that the first time I used that, I did it by way of my computer. So I got a gift card to CVS Pharmacy just for twenty dollars, just to test it out. So then I took my phone in there, right? And the guy said, "No, I, I need something on paper." And he couldn't really? do it. Said he couldn't do it. So then I went home, of course, and I printed it out huh. and took it back. And it still took a long time to make it work. My, my first gift experience was fantastic. We were my wife and I. We drove down and my kids. We drove down to Florida for a, a PHP conference, and we got stuck there because of the big ice storms. And mm. so we had a big ice storm fiasco. And we're like, well, we can't really drive back right now, so let's just hang out in Daytona Beach. I pull up the gift app and say, hey, well, Hyatt is uh, is on here, and they're ten minutes down the road. So we hopped in the car, drove down the road, and paid for our stay in Bitcoin. It was fantastic. Nice. Yeah. In fact, when we were down in Texas, John, yeah. we used it for That's the Hyatt right. Regency. There yeah, you go. Yeah. 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 We remember. I said we didn't have a very good time down there. <laughs> so we were, right, right. but here's the funny thing: there was this sort of uh, odd symbiotic relationship going on between my iPhone and my laptop because I still have the blockchain app on my iPhone. So I would pull up the Gift website on the laptop, and then I would scan with my iPhone to send some Bitcoin from my iPhone to the laptop, and then get the the gift card, which would immediately pop onto my iPhone gift app and show up there. Oh, and then I'd walk down to the coffee shop, and you know they'd That's scan cool. it right off there, and it worked fine. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, wow, that is cool. Well, you know, if you actually use the gift app on your phone, then you can actually, if you hit pay with Bitcoin, you can actually open from there directly the blockchain or Coinbase apps and pay with there. So you don't actually have to scan the QR code it automatically. Yeah. Oh, in. I see. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, but those two, those two are definitely two of the best apps out there. I mean, there's a few other good ones, but those are definitely the two best, Gift and Zero Block. Nice. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we have listeners who have flip phones still, and they're listening to all of this, talking about apps on the phones, and we're talking about Gift and all this stuff. And that's something that, you know, they maybe can't use. I'm certain that new things are coming, you know, like M-Pesa that they're using in Kenya, and they're all, most of the people there don't have smartphones. They have just your basic a cell phone, and they're able to transfer this money back and forth. So I like to think that there are easier ways coming, right, for people who are low-tech or no-tech. There actually already are a couple that we can use here. Uh, Coinbase, they do have an SMS text service. So like, if you can text on your phone, you can essentially text abbreviations 
um, to send Bitcoin from one person to another. You don't have to have a smartphone. Monero is actually the company that really revolutionized, or they really started this. And then Coinbase took that idea. They made their own version. And um, BitPace also does a similar thing in Africa. But nice. yeah, you can, you can do that already right now. Oh, you can. Nice. Yeah. It's good to know. I think it's important for the community to support the Bitcoin businesses. You know, those businesses that are out there, and you see it on Reddit every day, where they're saying, hey, I just convinced my boss to accept Bitcoin. What do you guys think? And there's a lot of excitement, but I, I don't know that I always see a lot of like follow through with, okay, now we're going to actually put our hard-earned money. Because a, a lot of people like to hold their Bitcoin. They don't necessarily want to spend it. And I think we, we had a fun experience, even with Foxycart in the very beginning, saying, hey, Bitcoin community, should we embrace this? Should we offer it up on our platform? And their response was amazing. They, everyone was really excited about it. They put it as a sticky on this big long thread of all the major companies they were kind of going after to accept Bitcoin. And it was great. And we launched it and we got a little bit of excitement early on, but we really only got a handful of stores that, that were excited about it. And we also as a company accept Bitcoin as payment. I think we've only had maybe one or two pay us in Bitcoin. We blogged about it to our customers. Like I said, we got thousands of stores. We're trying to get them to turn it on. It's not that big a deal, just go to BitPay, create an account and turn it on. So I think if the community could rally around that, and that's something that Jesse as well is doing with the Bitcoin network, the Facebook group we have here in Nashville, creating that directory, just getting that visibility for for different companies in Nashville and everywhere online and, and otherwise that are accepting Bitcoin and, and getting the community get behind that and realize like this is how we grow. Because every single time you're sitting there at a business and you're doing it, the person who made that decision is feeling good about that decision. They're saying, yeah, oh wow, this works. We're, we're actually getting new customers we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And every customer that's in line behind you sees that go, whoa, did you, that's that Bitcoin thing? I thought that was just used for drugs. Right. Really? <laughs> you know, like there's just so yeah. many, it just, it gets people talking about it. And, the, yeah. and you, you can imagine the rest of the day that person's going to be thinking about, I saw somebody buy a coffee today with Bitcoin. That's yeah, but, so, but wait, is co- are you allowed to buy coffee if you're saying it was just used for drugs? Where does that fall? <laughs> These yeah. are the myths that we'll be breaking. For every yeah. business that we embrace and say, wow, I want to go out of my way, like flight is a great example. Yeah. I would have no reason to go necessarily, like I'm not, my wife and I are not into fine dining, but I'm going to go and support them. I want to yeah. support them yeah. because I, I feel the importance of supporting those companies because they're the early companies. They're kind of the, the front runners. They're putting themselves out there. And I think the more the community can uh, get behind that. And of course, like I said, I'm, I'm saying a little selfishly too, because I put my money where my mouth is with my own yeah. company. And yeah. I put it out there to say, hey, guys, we want to help make this happen. So if you've got a business online, we're an option for you. And, and I think, too, it's helpful to think of it in terms of some companies go all in. But I like the idea of just add it as an option. You're already If you're already accepting credit card, you're already doing debit cards or, and cash, just add it as an option and see what happens. You might be surprised. Yeah. might be pleasantly surprised. There's a business here in the neighborhood, and I'm not going to say who it is, but I've been talking with him for about three weeks, and he is going to start accepting Bitcoins. And I've told him, look, you're going to be the first retail business here in Nashville, brick and mortar retail business, to accept Bitcoin. And I'm going to try to get the newspaper out. We're going to try to get the television we'll stations out. So we have to be there, yeah. right? And to rally around that. So I'm really excited about that. Luke, you just mentioned Jesse, and I think we should give a shout out to Jesse since Absolutely. he couldn't make it. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Jesse, somebody. Jesse, the funny thing about, uh, he he messaged me on Facebook, and I didn't even know this until recently. You, on Facebook, you have this like inbox that you never see. It's oh, like yeah. your spam folder that people send you messages that aren't your friends. So like six months prior to me starting the Nashville Bitcoin meetup, he had messaged me. He had started a Nashville, the Bitcoin network in Nashville. Okay. And uh, John and I and Jesse, we've had some great time just getting together. We've gotten together for lunch a few Definitely. times and just talked through like what is our vision for this group in the future and he's been like i said collecting kind of a directory of the different companies here in nashville that accept bitcoin and the tennessean did a write-up listing that directory and he's just been an incredible advocate for bitcoin here and i'm just really glad to get to know him the coolest thing about this is the three of us are kind of I mean, we're not necessarily heading up anything, but we're we're sort of the ones who kind of work together to help try to organize these meetups that we have every month. And none of us knew each other before Bitcoin. Like we just, you know, Jesse found Luke through Facebook and then connected to me. Luke and I found each other through Twitter. And then like now we, like you mentioned, we've met together for lunch a few times. Uh, that he's really passionate about Bitcoin and really interested in like the revolutionary capabilities of it. His full-time job is that uh, he coordinates all the video at the Capitol here in Nashville. And so he sits through every session of like legislation they ever have wow. in Nashville. Yeah. That's heavy. Yeah, so he said that's... <laughs> that has tainted his views yeah. on the effectiveness of government in a way that uh, is quite amusing. <laughs> well, so then, we've uh, had some fantastic conversations yes. about that. <laughs> now that would explain the rings under his eyes. Yeah, I'm, really. I'm joking, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> and and like John was saying, we're actually building real relationships with yeah. this. I mean, he's got three kids the same age as mine just this past weekend. We were tr- we almost coordinated him coming over for dinner. Some of the last minute came up, he wasn't able to. But we find that we have these similar views on the world because we're excited about the same things. Yeah. Bitcoin 
Bitcoin is kind of this catalyst for all these other ideas of how we can reimagine society. And it's exciting. We think, man, the, the systems and the tools that we grew up with and our parents grew up with are not the systems our kids are going to use. That's right. And we're going to play a role in changing that. And that's super exciting. You know, the other day I was talking to somebody, a local musician, a piano player, and I talked to him about Bitcoin for about 15 minutes. And as I was leaving, he said, okay, well, good luck with your cult. And he was being funny, <laughs> but <laughs> he was being funny. But what would you say to somebody who says people in the Bitcoin community are just involved in a cult? There are certain similarities. In other words, we're passionate about this thing. We really believe in it, right? And we don't like it when people tell us differently. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say that if you're not passionate about some cause or some innovation in the world, then that's that should be what you're worried about. If you're not, if you don't have something that you're passionate about, you need to go find that. I know for us, like Bitcoin is like a common bind. I mean, it's not the only thing like we care about, but it's definitely like a common thing. Something we can say, hey, we're really passionate about this. Like, let's get together and and just you know put our heads together and see where that takes us. If you don't have something like that that you're passionate about, then that's the problem. Uh, otherwise, you're just you're just the potato on that potato pizza you were yeah. talking about. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to be that guy. I think part of it too is that you know I, I, Mark Andreessen says this very well. He says that Bitcoin in in 2014 is very similar to personal computers in 1975 mm-hmm. or the internet in 1993, 1994. Mm-hmm. So the people that were excited about those things then. They were the crazy wackos as well. And it's kind of yeah. like it's the yeah. early adopter syndrome and people, they don't like what they don't understand. And they, they don't like something that's different and new and potentially could threaten their kind of comfortable way of thinking about the world. So yeah. I think there's some aspects of that that any disruptive technology brings to it. I mean, I, I like the quotes about, you know, who would use a telephone? Why wouldn't I just go visit someone? You know, these, <laughs> right. the, every technology has come about with this, this kind of threatening nature to the status quo. What's been nice about our community that we're starting to build is people from all kinds of backgrounds and perspectives on the world come and we share a common ground and we talk it through and I think people are realizing hey these are some fun people to connect with yeah yeah well and just a final note on that cult comment is that uh (laughs) I mean really also if you're coming to the bitcoin meetups then you're 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 already coming into sort of like the 10 percent or maybe the one percent of bitcoiners you know and so you're gonna see like sort of the, the zealous the most zealous of the zealous I have dozens of friends who own bitcoin or who monitor the news of bitcoin or who just watch the price every day who have never come to a Bitcoin meetup, who live nearby, but they're sort of passively interested in it. They're like, they're like, yeah, this is cool. I'm convinced. And like they just move on. Like, you know, right. they're they're like, all right, I'll just wait for it to be a big deal. And so they'll ask me every once in a while, they're like, all right, how's the meetup going? Is there anything I need to know? You know, but and so I think that if you're going to a meetup, you're already seeing the most zealous of the zealous. And that's not necessarily a representation of the entire Bitcoin community. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, if there's anything they can do, they can come to the meetup. Yeah. There you go. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Check it out. We're at meetup.com. Just look for Nashville Bitcoin Meetup. You'll find us. Yeah. Yeah. And would you like to tell us more about where our listeners can find some of you guys individually or your businesses? Uh, yeah, we're at, we're at uh, foxycart.com. We've actually blogged about Bitcoin, I think, three or four times. Uh, I, I also, I'd link to my personal blog, bstoke.blogspot.com. I've got a couple posts there about Bitcoin. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Luke Stokes. That's my Twitter handle, and I just love chatting about Bitcoin all the time. So hit me up and say hello. That'd be great. Nice. Yeah, I regularly write on a number of topics at my personal website at johnarmies.com. Uh, one of those topics being Bitcoin. I've written an introductory Bitcoin guide. Luke has as well on his blog, um, and a couple other things on there. And then yeah, Luke and I are, are both really active on Twitter. My Twitter name is at John Armies. And I, I might as well point out that our Twitter name is BTC and G. Yes, I'm following so, you guys so already. So follow us, yeah. and, and if you have a message for us, reach out to us and contact us on Twitter for Bitcoins and Gravy. Oh, and yeah. then also our, our Nashville meetup is BTC Nashville. Yes, we're at, yeah, that's right. We have a Twitter handle for our Nashville Bitcoin meetup. It's at BTC Nashville. Nice. Great, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on Bitcoins and Gravy today. It's a pleasure to have you here, and we really are excited to be part of the Nashville Bitcoin scene and, and to be part of the meetup as well, and we can't wait to see you there. Great job, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. It's exciting yeah. to have you guys. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks for having us, and we're glad to have you. Thanks, yeah. man. All right, we'll do it again. Next time, Jesse will be here. All yes. right. All right. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lid Shaw. We're two guys from East Nashville, Tennessee, who love talking about Bitcoin. Join us for Bitcoins and Gravy right here on KCAA 1050 AM each Monday night at 5 p.m. as we talk with business owners around the country and around the world who are using Bitcoins right now to grow their businesses. We interview Bitcoin experts about cutting-edge developments, the future of Bitcoin the currency, and Bitcoin the shared network. We also talk with everyday folks who use Bitcoins instead of money for everyday purposes. 
purchases. And if you're still not sure about Bitcoins, we can help. Bitcoins and Gravy will get you up to speed with this new fast-paced technology, Bitcoin. We invite you, the listener, to call us on the Bitcoins and Gravy hotline at 615-208-5198 with your questions or comments about Bitcoin. And remember to tune in right here to KCAA 1050 AM every Monday night at 5 p.m. for Bitcoins and Gravy. Mm-mm-mm. Now that's gravy. Today's words of wisdom come directly from the Bitcoin Foundation and their position on the new IRS ruling. And I quote, The answer isn't taxing it, that's Bitcoin, as a commodity or a currency. The Bitcoin Foundation's position is that Bitcoin isn't a monolithic object. It's about how people are using it. If you are using it like a currency, it should be treated that way. If you are using it like a commodity or something else, it should be treated that way. End of quote. I think this is an excellent idea. I think that uh, the IRS needs to finesse <laughs> this whole thing, if at all possible, instead of trying to uh, do some sort of a brute force ruling about Bitcoin, the secret to lots of things in life, I believe, are finessing it. So you're trying to fix something instead of taking the hammer and hitting it really hard, you might realize, hmm, I don't need a hammer. I need a pair of needle nose pliers and I need to just give a slight turn to it and ah, there I have it. I've finessed it and I've fixed it. So that is finessing something as opposed to going at it like a caveman. Not that there's anything wrong with cavemen. And that concludes the words of wisdom for today. Psst. Hey, you. How'd you like a VIP pass to the super secret Bitcoins and Gravy after show? Yeah? Well, follow me. We're taking you live now to the historic Woodland Street Theater in beautiful East Nashville, Tennessee, where Reverend Johnny's big band down-home country jam is set to debut their new single, Ode to Satoshi. Hit it, Johnny. Thank you very kindly, friends. I'd like to dedicate this song to the great American freedom fighter and songwriter, Mr. Pete Seeger. May you rest in peace. I would also like to dedicate this song to Andreas Antonopoulos for his words of wisdom and hope for us all. Now climb aboard, y'all. This train is bound for glory. And there's plenty of room for all. Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a name I love to say And we don't know much about him, but he came to save the day When he wrote about the way things are and the way things are to be He gave us all a protocol this world had never seen Or Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain Or Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, gonna rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name told about the death of old Mount Gox, about traders trading altar coins and miners mining blocks. But them good old boys back in Illinois and on down through Tennessee, see they don't care to be a millionaire, they're just wanting to be free. Our Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain, our Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain, till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. A promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny A Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain A Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your Give me some exposure Everybody knows your name, sing it Oh Lord, pass me some more Oh, Lord, before I have to go Oh, Lord, pass me some more Oh, Lord, before I have to
Thank you, East Nashville. Y'all be good to each other out there, you hear? Today we have Tyson P. Cross, California tax attorney with BitcoinTaxSolutions.com joining us here in East Nashville. And um, Tyson, you are in San Diego, California. Is that correct? Yep, you got it. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Welcome to the show. Tyson, recently the IRS came out with a notice about Bitcoins and it has gotten on everybody's attention. I actually discovered you through a Reddit post that was linked back to your website, BitcoinTaxSolutions.com. And you had been doing a lot of writing about Bitcoin and about its implications in taxes and with the IRS. Would you like to explain to us a little bit about this recent notice and what it's all about? Yeah, sure. Basically, most of us in the tax community were surprised to even receive word from the IRS for this tax filing season. But basically, they just sent out a notice providing essentially the most low-level amount of guidance that they could, obviously indicating that they've had some trouble figuring all this out. Um, And basically, in a nutshell, the notice concludes that Bitcoins are a property as opposed to a foreign currency, which has uh, a number of tax effects And then also important in the notice was the determination that Bitcoin and other virtual currency miners realize income when the coin is awarded to them. And so that's sort of caused quite a bit of a stir in the mining community as well. You bring up Bitcoin mining. Uh, That's been a question that I wanted to ask. Mining Bitcoin is such a unique and unusual way to earn an income if it's an income considered by the IRS, and how does that work? Right, so the way that it works right now under the IRS notice is that a Bitcoin miner will have taxable income in the year that the Bitcoin is mined. And then also they would have income again if they sold the Bitcoin in the future. Only the gains in that case would be taxed. The problem right now that a lot of miners are experiencing is that they mined Bitcoins in the sort of run-up during the fall when coins were $1,000 each and didn't expect to have to pay tax on that. And then now their coins are only worth $400. And so uh, they could conceivably have to sell an entire coin just to pay the tax on value that they never really had the benefit of since the market price has gone down. Wow, that's crazy. Well, that is. You know, I know we have a lot of our listeners who do mining of bitcoins and also altcoins. And I know a lot of them are wondering, well, hey, how is the IRS going to know that I'm mining bitcoins or that I mined bitcoins last year or that I'm mining dogecoins? How are they going to know that? Sure. And that's a fair question. Um, you know, the cryptocurrencies and like Bitcoin are obviously difficult to trace. And the IRS necessarily won't know that you've actually mined a Bitcoin. And the IRS generally doesn't know that you earned any income at all unless it's reported uh, on a W-2 or a 1099. And so sort of keeping with the theme of the U.S. tax system is that compliance is sort of voluntary. And there's obviously some strict penalties and possible criminal prosecution for those who don't comply. So I think um, everyone in the Bitcoin community, including miners, sort of have a a decision to make there with how much they want to comply with the tax laws and, and sort of weigh the consequences. Sure, that makes sense. And what about people who are mining Litecoins right now and Dogecoins and Namecoins and any of the other alt currencies, as they call them? Right. The IRS notice called them all convertible virtual currencies and cited Bitcoins as an example, but it's that's certainly not a exclusive definition. So that would apply the same treatment to Bitcoins as it does to all the other altcoins. Well, so this is fascinating to me, the idea that when you mine the Bitcoin, you already owe taxes on it. Uh, What's the logic behind that? Bitcoin is being treated as a property, right? Right. And, you know, the logic is suspect, I would say. And there's a lot of tax professionals, uh, you know, I haven't had an opportunity to really write on that exact topic right now during tax season. But there are plenty of people that are starting to question, you know, is this tax treatment consistent with the mining activity for what it really is. And you can imagine there's probably a good likelihood that the good folks over at the IRS don't fully understand what Bitcoin mining actually is. <laughs> yeah, it's hard enough for all of us, you know? <laughs> sure, and you know, if you uh, build a chair in your garage, if you're a woodworker and you build a chair to sell, you don't have taxable income when the chair is finished being built. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was going to ask, what if I grow a tomato? Isn't that tomato in my garden? Isn't that property? Mm-hmm. Could be, my friend. It could be. And it certainly has a market value, but I've never owed a tax on a tomato out of my garden. The great tomato tax, man. That's the great tomato maybe that's tax. Coming up. That's frightening, man. You're scaring me, Lidge. <laughs> right. And that sort of implicates a, a underlying concept in the income tax code, which is realization. And that just 
is the, the premise that you shouldn't be taxed on income until you realize the benefit of it. And so that's why you're not taxed every year on appreciation in your 401k or your Bitcoin holdings until you actually sell them and realize that gain. And so there's a pretty good argument that this treatment is really in violation of that basic principle. Yeah. Now, isn't the IRS kind of playing both sides of the fence a little bit here by treating it as a property that's taxable, yet calling it a virtual currency at the same time? Aren't they sort of trying to play both sides of the argument at once? Yeah, I thought it was kind of funny that they dedicated a whole paragraph, it seemed like, in the notice to describing how Bitcoin is used as a currency, you know, as a medium of exchange. And, you know, they sort of went through this whole list of the functionality of Bitcoin and then sort of just out of nowhere say, oh, but it's a property. Does anybody in your business suspect that maybe the IRS really is doing this more to slow down Bitcoin than they are really, you know, for any legitimate purposes? I hate to say it like that, but... Yeah, it's it's a fair question to ask, I guess. This ruling really does create some problems for Bitcoin's adoption going forward. And so, you know, there's always the question, I guess, with, with your government as to what's their true intention. But right now, I think it's more that they just took the easy road out. The definition of property is very broad. It's very easy. Bitcoins were automatically property. I mean, almost everything is property. And so in order to qualify it as a foreign currency, they would have had to do a lot of legal gymnastics. And so it just seems like maybe they were in a rush and they just took the easy route. And so it's important to keep in mind that this isn't necessarily final. I mean, this is just a, a notice is very preliminary in terms of legal authority. So there's still a long way to go on this issue. So it's a rule. It's not a law. Right. It's not a law. It's just the IRS informing the public of how it interprets the law. So that can change, obviously, at any time. And, you know, a regulation is a more formal interpretation of the law. And so that would sort of be the next step here. And so between now and the issuance of formal regulations on taxation of virtual currencies, there's lots of opportunity to try and shape the tax treatment. Okay, so you had mentioned a moment ago that they're not treating it as a foreign currency. And I, I guess what I'm thinking about is if I was to go travel to Paris, you know, take a trip there, and I get there and I needed to exchange US dollars for the euro or French francs or whatever, I could do that and I wouldn't have to worry about the exchange rates after spending that money. How does that apply to Bitcoin and what's the difference there? Right. Um, that's really the, the biggest reason to push for foreign currency treatment of Bitcoins. Um, you know, you sort of give up a little bit. I don't know if you're familiar, but when you have gains in foreign currency as an investment, you don't get the long-term capital gains rate. You have to pay the full tax rate. And so that's sort of a negative. But the positive is that under a special code section, personal transactions with a foreign currency are essentially tax-free. And there's a limit on that. You have to have gain of less than $200 per transaction, which in all reality, and for most consumer-based transactions, that's a pretty easy hurdle to stay under. So if we can get that same treatment for Bitcoins, then you really eliminate this huge impetus right now on Bitcoin functioning as a, a currency, as a medium of exchange. Because as the rule is right now, every time you engage in a Bitcoin transaction, you have to go back and calculate your taxable gain at the end of the year. And so that's a huge burden on people who want to use Bitcoin for day-to-day -day transactions. Yeah, of course. It may be a huge opportunity for somebody who wants to develop an app that will do that for you. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I'm just trying to picture the guy who owns the small coffee shop and people are coming in and want to buy coffee with Bitcoins. You know, how do they handle that? Sure, it could be done by way of an app on the phone. And then you have an app there on the tablet as you check out, maybe through Square. But how do you envision that working? Yeah, I mean, this isn't the only obstacle in the way of Bitcoin's adoption. I mean, there's certainly the, the challenge of verifying transactions on the blockchain. You know, you go in and buy a coffee and then you have to sit there for 30 minutes while the guy waits for four confirmations. I we mean, could do you know, your that, taxes in those 30 minutes, maybe. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I think you know, we're in the early phases of Bitcoin, and so it'll be interesting to see what sorts of solutions uh, enterprising people manage to come up with because there are other obstacles here. And so there's no reason why a, uh, a good payment processing application or software program can't solve the, the delay in Bitcoin processing while also uh, – 
keeping track of transactions for the user in order to make tax compliance easy. Well, Tyson, thank you for joining us today. We know you're just crazy busy over there leading up to the 15th. Can you let our listeners know how they can go about finding you and following you? Yeah, sure. You can reach me through my website, BitcoinTaxSolutions.com. I have an email address there, Tyson at BitcoinTaxSolutions.com. Feel free to shoot me an email if you have any questions. Be happy to help. Okay, great. Thank you so much. You got it. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks, Tyson. Bye. Thanks so much to our wonderful guests for joining us on today's show, Luke Stokes, John R. Meese, and Tyson P. Cross. We would also like to give a special thank you to one of our sponsors on the show, Mike Tech, the Nashville company that provides our microphones. We have been using the fabulous PM9 microphones for our podcasts since day one and owe our award-winning sound to Mike Tech. So thank you, Mike Tech. To find out more about our guests and sponsors, visit our show notes at bitcoinsandgravy.com slash episode 10. Thanks so much for listening. We greatly appreciate your time and attention. Hey, Lidge, let's also give a special thanks to our friends in Southern California listening in on station KCAA 1050 AM. Tune in Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific time to hear new episodes of Bitcoins and Gravy. And make sure to catch more great shows from the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network airing all week here on KCAA 1050 AM. Or download all the podcasts from letstalkbitcoin.com or directly from iTunes. Listeners can find our show notes at bitcoinsandgravy.com, as well as our tipping addresses there. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at howdy at bitcoinsandgravy.com. And remember the Bitcoins and Gravy hotline. Have you ever wanted to be a podcaster? Then call us at 615-208-5198 and leave us a message with your comments or questions. If you give us permission, we'll put you on the show. So call anytime, 615-208-5198. That's right. That's the Bitcoins and Gravy Hotline, 615-208-5198. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and leave a review or comment on iTunes or SoundCloud. Let us know what you like or where we can improve. And remember, it's your reviews that help new listeners discover Bitcoins and Gravy, plus all the other great shows on the Let's Talk Bitcoin podcast network. And it's your generous tips that allow us to create the shows. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lid Shaw. And you've been listening to Bitcoins and Gravy from East Nashville, Tennessee.